What's up, guys? Casey here. And I just wanted to pop on to let you know that Study Notes ABA has some badass mock exams. If you are studying for your BCABA or BCBA test, guess what? The bitches have got you. We have created some of the hardest but best feedback mock exams. So head over to www.studynotesaba.com. Get your mock exams. We have full length. We have mini mocks on basically every single section possible. And guess what? They're real raw and relatable, just like us. Head over and rock a mock, get all your feedback, and pass the effing test. Study notes, ABA. ABA in a little X rated away. It's behavior, bitches. Hey guys, it's Liat. And Casey. And we are here with episode 132. Casey, what the hell do you have for us today? I'm really proud of this one. So episode 132, should I stay or should I go? Our guest today is going to tell you when to know when you're through. Through does rhyme with two. Yes, it does. I think it just has to be a little closer and like temporal contiguity for it to still be a rhyme, you know, but whatever. It works. We're proud of Casey for trying. All right. Before I'm really, I know I always say this, but like sometimes I say it and don't totally mean it, but today I really mean it that I'm really excited for today's topic and the guests that we have on. But before we get to our wonderful guest, I think it's time for a review of the day. Casey, do you have one ready to go? I sure do. This one came in from Michelle underscore BCBA, and it says, everything and then some. I found you guys accidentally when I started studying for my BCBA last year. I say this to so many people, but your collective, that's our test prep, is what sent me over the edge to actually passing my exam and understanding the concepts on the task list. You guys break down every concept on the task list and make it real raw and relatable. As a person who cannot read a textbook to study doing the one-month rental, which is our one-month video bundle, was perfect. Not only that, but your CEUs have given me so much knowledge, with my favorite one being how to not be a BCBA hole, and the podcast, which are perfect on my ride to work. Keep up the great work. Love ya. Well, Michelle, that was an amazing review from all the way from our study test prep to CEUs and the podcast. We will hire you to come work with us. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Getting these reviews keeps us going. So I think that means we'll keep the episode going today since we have the reinforcement we need. The behavioral principles we will be covering today are motivating operations, tax, operational definition, There are more, but these are the most prominent. Also, welcome to February. How has the year gone by so fast? February, right. Because that's, well, side note, this is going to come out February 6th, so that's why I'm saying. I know, the guy, so I just like had to think for a second. I'm a little tired today, so my brain was like, February, whoa. But then I caught on a second later, like, yeah, this will be out in February. So yeah, February, wow, how are we here? I mean, we are two weeks away from February while we're recording this. So, And also, um, I've been doing something that Liat has asked me to do for five ever. Um, and typically when I avoid things, there's a reason for it. Um, and I'm reading Untamed. 
And it's a book I've started and stopped 400 times. And um, she's now holding me accountable. She texted me this morning, like, did you get your 10 pages in? I'm like, yes, I did. And I have my highlighter right here. And and it's not so much about like me, I, my husband and I, like we all have issues like everyone, um, but we are overall happily married, but it's more about just me, right? Like my own issues and stuff. And we're going to marriage coaching and we've made some pretty good decisions lately on big life changes. So there's a whole bunch of crazy shit happening that will let you know as things unfold. Um, and, you know, I'm sure you guys have listened and you know, Liat did just go through a divorce. So today's guest is pretty pertinent and amazing. And we're so excited that when we reached out, she said she'd come on. So I'm just going to do a quick introduction and then we'll just get her right on. So her name is Kate Anthony. She is the host of the New York Times recommended podcast, The Divorce Survival Guide. She's a certified divorce coach who helps women with children, especially decide if they should stay or leave in their marriages and then either helps them heal their relationships or exit with grace. I love that. For the last decade, she has worked with hundreds of women all over the world, helping them make the most difficult decision of their lives and transition out of toxic marriages. So she has been exactly where you are. If you are listening to this right now and you're feeling like, wow, this is speaking to me, Kate, welcome to the show. Thank you guys so much for having me. It's so great being here. I love you guys. <laughs> I know. When we met her for our pre-interview, it was like instant connection. Meanwhile, with that intro, I was like, oh, everyone's going to be really bummed it's not Glennon Doyle. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? I'm like, Sorry. today. We have, that's, on, that's my bucket list. So Glennon, if you're ever listening. No, no um, but, it's, but it's connected. Girl, same. Okay? It's, mm-hmm. It is. Oh, it's totally connected. It's just... You know, I it went from like I'm reading Untamed to here's our here's Anthony. No, you're amazing. No, I'll tell you what happens. It goes like this: you read Untamed, and it like allows you to realize that you have this like inner strength, and then comes Kate, right? Because mm-hmm. it it comes to the point of acknowledging. I mean, not necessarily for anyone who doesn't know the book Untamed. It's by Glennon Doyle, and it is. I carried, like, when I was, like, making the decision as to whether to get divorced or not, I was, like, too scared to read it. I was, like, oh. Like, I felt like she was, like, talking to me and, like, like, looking at me. And I'm, like, you know, it's all about, like, this tiger, like, you know. You know, my dad, since the youngest age, is always, like, Leah, you're a lion in a cage. And a lion can break out of a cage. You just don't break out, you know. So, but it was the same concept and of the cheetah. And I remember reading that. Tabitha, the cheetah, exactly. And it's. The premise is like the idea of how scary is it to be alive but not living. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that was my main one of the main takeaways from the book. And that is like I see that like written all over my diaries of like when I'm like thinking about like my relationship and leaving like all over. It's like, Leah, you're alive. Like you've almost faced death with all your health issues. Like, how are you alive but you're not living? And mm. so if anyone hasn't read that book, definitely go read it if you dare. Well, what I've realized through it, which, you know, I have, um, I was married and divorced when I was 24 um, Mm. and finally met, you know, the love of my life. We've been married for three years. We've been together for seven, but I just thought it was me that I wasn't living, right? Like I'd go to Texas and I'd be like so on fire and like so excited. And he was like always against moving and always against everything. And it was like, I thought he was just thriving and I was the one that was dying inside and just like living in this rat race. And 
once I finally brought, brought it up to him, he was like, I feel the same way. So like we were both kind of not living our true potential, but we're, we're telling each other because we didn't want to like make it be like, oh, it's because of you I'm not doing this or it's because of – and once we've been having these talks, we are like – I mean, it's a whole different – like he's agreed to marriage counseling and coaching and moving and everything that he was so against for so long just by me saying like, this is not me living. And then he was like, I'm not either. I was like, well, we have a boat and we live on the water and we have everything. And so it's just really interesting that once you kind of like stand up for yourself and like I was like, oh, like I flew to Texas and I came back. I'm like, I'm standing up for myself. And he was like, oh, my God, I feel the same way. It's kind of crazy. I was like, okay, so we can do this together. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. That's great. And having a partner, I mean, listen, right? In in, a healthy marriage Mm -hmm. is one in which you can bring your authentic self and have your partner like rally and championing and champion you, even if they disagree with you, okay, like I don't feel that way, but how can we make this work? Mm -hmm. Because this marriage is not about me or you, it's about us, right? right? And we both have to thrive in the marriage in whatever way that, you know, in whatever, you know, uh, structures that we've created here, Um, right? If you had brought that up to your husband and he had been like, oh, I I feel fine, I'm fine. Right, and not care. Tough. And not actually cared that his wife is like suffering and feels like she's dying inside, that would be a red flag, right? Big green flag that he was like, oh my God, me too. Let's, or if, even if he hadn't, again, even if he hadn't said yeah. me too, if he had just heard you and said mm-hmm. the fact that he heard you and was like, oh my God, I care enough about you mm-hmm. to make this not be a thing for you. And that's exactly what Liat had said when I was coming back. She's like, well, you kind of have this in place. You're setting up marriage coaching. If he says no, and he says no to like the fact that he's not going to admit that you're kind of dying inside, then that's mm-hmm. your flag, right? And so totally. I was so scared, oh my God, yeah. coming back and being like, oh, come on, dude. And I just like, once I opened up and said exactly how I was feeling and that I wasn't going to settle for anything less, it was just like a light went off in him too. So yeah. We'll see. We're, you know, we're going through it, but. <laughs> but you're doing all the right things to yes. work through it. Yeah, exactly. That's great. That's so, okay. Great. Tell us about you. I want to know like everything. How'd you get started in doing this? What is your story? Oh my God. Well, my story is that I was in a very um, volatile, what I now know is a very emotionally abusive marriage mm-hmm. um, for 10 years. And um, I was dying inside. And I was dying inside to the degree that I actually didn't even realize. Sorry, I'm turning on my light here. I just realized that I don't even have my light on. Like, no wonder. What the hell is it? There it is. Um, So I was dying inside to the degree that I didn't even know that I was like, I I was sort of, I had wasted away to nothing, you know, Um, emotionally, psychologically. I was just so beaten down by criticism and uh, contempt and just, you know, I just kept saying like, you don't, you don't like me. (laughs) Like you really don't like me. Um, And I felt like I was, uh, you know, I was given a very narrow prescription of how to act, how to be, how to talk. And it was never right. And I was like, I feel like if I was like, I feel like you want me to be a robot that you want to program me to be a certain way. 
But what, you know, what I now know with emotional abuse is that it, even if he had programmed me exactly the way he wanted me, I would still be wrong because abusers need to abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a, you know, so that went on for a good long time. And then, you know, we had a, we had a child, I have a son and he was, when he was about three, it really, it, you know, because we had, we, we were in therapy, we were in couples therapy and I couldn't figure out why this wasn't working. Like, why is none of this working? Like we, we talk about the things in therapy, but I don't think we were really talking about what was really happening because I didn't know. I didn't understand what was really happening. And he was using it as a way to continue to control me um, because that's what abusers do. That's why you never go to therapy with an abuser mm. <laughs> because they use it to control you and abuse you, right? And it's like, well, if you would just do this and you would heal my wounds if you would just like, and it's just because of my wounding that I have to be this way. But if, you know, and because you do it this way and you do this and that, I mean, it's, a, and it's exhausting and it's not true. Um, again, abusers abuse because they have to abuse. Um, and so they don't want was, to, I was they about, have to. <laughs> yeah, right. They do. They have to. Right. Exactly. If you, yeah, if you said something about, yeah, I mean, that's a whole other thing we could get into, but yes, they do. They do. That is their MO. That is just their MO. That's who they are. Um, And, you know, one of the biggest questions I get all the time was like, well, can they change? And the answer is, um, good fucking sort luck. of multi, <laughs> the answer is good fucking luck. Yes. <laughs> Um, and the answer is, uh, if, so there's a difference between a narcissist and abuser. Um, all narcissists are abusers. Not all abusers are narcissists. Narcissists cannot change because it is a fracture in their psyche that is not healable. Um, an abuser who is not a narcissist, um, can change if they actually want to. The problem is they, they don't want to. Like, what do they get out of that? If their whole focus is power and control, all they want, an abuser, ab- abuse is about power and control. And if all they want is power and control, why would they want to go and change? Mm-hmm. So the only way that change happens is if they lose something that really actually matters to them. A narcissist isn't really capable of love in the way that and, you know, because they don't have empathy, right? So they're not really capable of love in the way that we would want someone to love us. An abuser might be if they're not a narcissist. And a lot of abusers, are, it's really, it's societal conditioning, right? Like uh, one of the things, Lundy Bancroft has a great thing about this. He says that if you, is, is that if we if we say that all abusers are narcissists and we blame it on narcissism, ultimately we're putting it back on the mother wound. So women again, (laughs) you know, here we are, it's our fucking fault. Um, (laughs) But if we take it off of narcissism and and we actually call it abuse and call abusers abusers, it puts the onus back on the society and our culture that creates uh, this, this narrative of men needing power and control and be feeling entitled to it. They're entitled to our bodies. They're entitled to our psyches. They're entitled to our labor. They're entitled, right? And so if we put the onus where it's meant to be, then we can hold society accountable for shifting the cultural narrative. 
And I think that's really uh, important. Yeah, Liat, you were. <laughs> and just for anyone listening, um, you know, I, in the past two years, I've done like a lot of learning on narcissism. But, you know, before really looking into it, I used it as just like another word as like, oh, he's such a narcissist. Like, oh, he's a douchebag. Can you yeah. just like, just like operationally define a little bit what a narcissist is also? Because I just mm-hmm. remember when I learned about it, it was very eye-opening for me to understand in in terms of, um, you know, like, wow, I, I didn't realize this is what actually, you know, what it feels like for someone to be with a narcissist or, you know, what someone yeah. might be experiencing. Yep. Just Absolutely. in case we could help anyone listening. Yeah. Um, huh, such a such a good question. <laughs> it's such a loaded one, too. It is there's such, a lot of different traits. There are. So I think that here's the deal. I can I can actually read you what so narcissism is a spectrum, okay? On the one side of the spectrum is a healthy sense of self, right? Like children are, quote, narcissists, right? They're not narcissists, but they they have narcissistic traits because their prefrontal cortex has not yet developed. And in the prefrontal cortex, which doesn't have fully developed until we're 25 or so, like resides empathy and all of those things that that make you able to really think and feel and see beyond yourself, right? So on that side of the spectrum, it's perfectly normal and healthy. Um, Then you've got people who, and on the far end of the spectrum, you've got narcissistic personality disorder. And then in the in-between, you've got people who are, you know, what I call, quote, benign narcissists. They're not really benign, but they're people that, they're not, they're not trying to hurt you on purpose, but somehow, so I use my, use my mother, who's not, who's not going to listen to this as a, (laughs) as a prime example of this, right? Mm -hmm. She was like psychologically fractured. She has so much trauma in her childhood. She was raised in, um, in England during world war II. She was spent every night of her childhood in bomb shelters. Um, when she was seven, you know, she, she her mother just could not be a parent. And when my mom was seven, her sister was born. And I think my mom decided in that moment that she had to be the mother because she knew that there was no nurturing, that this child, this baby, this infant was not going to be taken care of by uh, her mother as, as she knew from herself, her own experience. And so I think my mom is somehow psychologically fractured at around the age of seven. And she has the emotional, the emotional life of a seven-year-old and she's petulant and she's self-involved and every conversation returns back to herself and she's critical and she does not know where she ends and others begin, right? Which is healthy as a child because that's how we survive, right? Um, we're an extension of our parents, right? Um, but when you're that person's daughter, it's really damaging, right? So my mother it has no ill intent, but she's just not capable of you know, thinking or feeling beyond that. But then further along the spectrum, you have more malignant narcissism that may not be characterized as narcissistic personality disorder, but it is somebody who, so a narcissist is somebody who has no empathy. All they're thinking about is getting their own needs met. And in the, in the more um, malignant realm, there's sort of a machination around it, right? There is this 
I am going to get my needs met and your needs do not matter. I am going to, and, and they don't feel empathy for you because they literally can't think beyond themselves. Like they actually can't. Um, so the DSM defines narcissistic personality disorder as having, quote, a pervasive pattern of grandiosity in fantasy or behavior, right? So they're telling stories. They're always the center of the story. They're always the most important in the story, right? They fantasize about, about their own grandiosity, right? They have a need for admiration and a lack of empathy, beginning by early adulthood and present in a variety of contexts. Um, and then there are five, there are five, like they basically have to have check off five of nine traits. Um, one is they have a grandiose sense of self-importance. So they exaggerate their achievements, things like that. They're preoccupied with fantasies of unlimited success, power, brilliance, beauty, or ideal love, which is a huge part of narcissism because they will, they will love bomb you in the beginning, right? Because like you, you are the ideal love, right? And they have all these fantasies around it that aren't actually anything to do with the reality because they haven't actually gotten to know you. Um, they believe that they are special uh, and unique and can only be understood by or associate with other special or high status people. They require excessive admiration. They have a sense of entitlement, which is so huge in this, right? There's unreasonable expectations of favorable treatment, right? Um, they have, they are interpersonally exploitative, i.e. they take advantage of others to achieve their own ends. They lack empathy. They're often, often envious of others or believe that others are envious of them. So there's this sort of like re reciprocal envy thing happening and they show arrogant, haughty behaviors or attitudes. So essentially, right, if you hit five or more of those traits, you can be, you would be diagnosed with narcissistic personality disorder. If you hit any of those traits, you're probably got some narcissistic traits, right? And we know a lot of people that have a lot of those traits. Um, they're really dangerous to be in relationship with because none of it is about you. It's all about getting what you want, what they want. It's so interesting the way you just kind of talked about the spectrum because mm -hmm. um, I know Liat and I both have experience with people in our life that exhibit these traits. And I, you know, I've said it to her before. I'm like, I think my mom is a narcissist. She's like, no, she's not. Yeah. Like after all the studying, but what you just said is that benign narcissist where my mom was also emotionally stunted by being molested at age seven, which is so interesting because that is kind of her cognitive level. Like, yes. and it is not about me, but I have been a child of it. And yeah always wondering like, how can she not see past herself? Like everything is about her. She's not happy for oh my, my achievements. She's yeah. not. And if she is, it's like, oh, cause she did something great. I'm like, no, you did not. Like oh I did this. God. Yeah. Oh my God. So yes. I'm like, yeah. And Leanne always tells me, she's like, your mom is emotionally stunted where mm -hmm. she, you can't even yeah. be upset when she says these things to you because she yeah. doesn't have the capacity to be able to even understand that you would never do that to your daughter ever. <laughs> Yeah. So it's just interesting because I've always only seen narcissism as like one way. Yeah. But that is actually like a spectrum 
Yes. Makes so much sense. Right. Yes. And it, I think your mom and mine are very similar, right? Right my when mom, you were saying that. I know. My I'm mom like, does oh. that thing where a friend of mine once pointed out, she's like, your mom is either taking credit for you in like ownership of you or completely dismissing and criticizing you. And it's absolutely, if she doesn't understand or relate to, if she can't say, she'll literally say, oh, well, you got that for me. If I do something good Mm -hmm. or whatever, oh, you got that for me. Or, oh, well, you're just trying to compete with me and my, or, Mm -hmm. you know, I taught you that. But if she can't say that, then it's, you know, there's a, there's a scoff and a criticism. Totally. And it's so interesting because and I, you know, I for so long thought it was me, my fault, my fault. And when I actually think about her traumatic childhood, like, yeah, I can't even really blame her. Like, it's like, right. wow, like you 100%. were being molested by your brother from age seven to 15 oh, and like God. Yeah, no one believed no. you. And so it's like, I when can't We even... didn't understand trauma the way that we do no, now. Not at all. Right? I mean, yeah. and that's an important thing to recognize. Like with my mom, it's a pain in the ass, but- it's not her fault. Mm-hmm. With your mom, it's a pain in the ass, but it's not her fault. Right. Um, you know, and and in our generation, we go to fit therapy. We say right. someone molested us, like we are in treatment, we're in therapy, we're believed, we're nurtured, we're like hopefully. I mean, not yeah. all of us, obviously. Right. Um, but our parents didn't have a chance. Mm-mm. No, and not it's at all. so sad. Um, and so this is where the trap happens with being in a relationship or a marriage with somebody like this, right? Because mm-hmm. as normally narcissists and abusers prey on empaths, right? Because we're the most fun <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and we give them what they want, right? Yeah. Because we're like, oh, it's just your wounding and oh, I can heal it. I can be the one to show you that life isn't full of, you know, horrible people who've done all these wrongs to you. And I'm going to be the one to show you that, that you're worthy of this love that you didn't get as a child, all of that stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we hear this and we're like, Oh, I get it. You're, Oh, I see. It was his childhood wounding. Oh, well I can, I can work with that. Mm -hmm. And let me say really loud and really clear. No, you can't. No, you can't. It is not your fucking job, which by the way, I just trademarked. It's registered trademark now. Owned by me. (laughs) It is not your fucking job Mm -hmm. to heal someone else's childhood trauma. Nor not only that, it it doesn't work. Can I just add (laughs) can I add something there? You know, I do know, and I'm not, I don't know. I can only speak for a woman because I am a woman. You know, a lot of us want to be fixers, okay? But I think it can happen on both sides. Uh-huh. But I just want to say, and there's a lot of people, I know me personally, whether it's friends, employees, like whatever it is. I don't know if Strangers like fixing the toilet. <laughs> I, I want to be able to help people. And you know what? I, I yeah, get absolutely. joy in that and I like helping people. But I just want to say for anyone listening, it's not a matter of like, it's not your problem to do it, which yeah, mm-hmm. okay. I know a lot of things aren't our problems and I've made them my problems, whatever. But it's like you genuinely... It's not possible. It, it's it's no. it's genuinely not possible. So just with that, for anyone listening, That's I right. just want to let you know because if you're someone who like – and just because today's topic is going to be divorce and all and I mean not saying it's for everyone. But if you are someone in a relationship and you're confused why you feel the way you do, you're upset the way that you feel, you're like, 
you know, maybe it's me. I don't know what I'm doing. If you're genuinely, if you're like generally feeling, you know, disconnected from this individual, right? Like you're just like, I, I don't even, I don't even see like what we could possibly connect on. Like I, I can't even mm-hmm. think of like any in-depth conversation of any sort of value that we could talk about. Yeah. Right? You might be, yeah. you might be with a narcissist. Um, if you feel like your words are constantly getting twisted. Yes. Well, and I think what's really, yes, I think what's really important is to also look at how do you feel in this relationship, right? Because so often, especially as empaths and as codependents and fixers, we're always looking at the other person, right? What's their trauma? What's their this? What? The, how do you feel in this relationship? Do you feel like your best self or do you feel like you're constantly confused about what you're supposed to be doing and how you're supposed to be, um, you know... what you're supposed to say. Do you feel like you're, you know, a robot (laughs) who wants to be, you know, who your person needs to sort of um, program, right? Um, Walking on eggshells. Do you walk on eggshells? Is there an imbalance of power? Do you feel like you can never do anything right? Are there extreme highs and extreme lows? Like your soulmates one day and then the next day, like it's gone, Right. And that you never know who's going to walk in the door. Are they going to be like the fun the fun person? Like the one who like, hey, or are they going to walk in and be like the scary guy? Um, do you feel like you're always to blame? Also, do you feel confused or foggy or unclear? Right? Like emotional abuse takes a mental toll on the victim. Right. So the trauma of all of this makes us like really like foggy, like it it affects us cognitively. Right. So, I mean, I think what you're saying is exactly right, Leah. Like, let's look at how you feel. How do you feel in this relationship? And not just like. I think also that, like, looking at how you feel when you say that, like, don't take that lightly. Remember, like, Mm -mm. how you feel in their presence when you are one on one with them. Okay. So, like, not how other people feel about your relationship because most likely if it is a narcissist, they're lovable by so many people. And you, so it makes you think, well, what's wrong with me that I am someone creating a a bad mood in a relationship or, you know, what it, it, you know, maybe it is me. Maybe I'm like, I'm not putting enough work into it. Maybe. So like, if you are someone feeling this and you're constantly feeling confused or blaming Mm -hmm. yourself, Mm-hmm. Go go into Google for a little bit. You know, they say, like, don't, like, you know, Wikipedia your health symptoms. But for this one, <laughs> I do think that there is a lot of, like, to be able to put a word or, like, in ABA, as we use the word tact, meaning to label something that you might be dealing with, mm-hmm. it might be the start of you realizing that, like, this is not the life that you need to accept or, you know, yeah. like. Yeah, and Absolutely. just, yeah, I just like want to say that for anyone listening, because, you know, there's been different times in my life where I wish like I could have had like a light bulb and seen different things. And um, actually just going through my divorce, Kate, your podcast was one that I listened to, you know, when, when I started like being able to, and I just want to preface for anyone listening, because I know my life has been out on social media a lot just because having study notes, you know, one day, you know, you'd see me married and then the next day it's like I'm posting something about a divorce. So I have to say like my divorce from 
my husband, I can I cannot sit here and say he's a bad person. I could just sit here and say that what who that person is is not someone that I want to be with. And yeah. so right. I just want to like say that and it just wasn't fulfilling me and and my needs. That's right. Yep. But I I just once I found that I found your podcast was one of them and I was like, "Oh my god, listening." And it was like whoa, I'm not alone and mm. by far. <laughs> yeah. And so what you're doing is amazing and I just, I just wanted to add that part in because I think a lot of people are dealing with that and it's the hardest one to yeah. like like you're kind of like wishing right. that like they would they would hit you or cheat on you, you know? Oh, yeah, that's a huge one. I hear that all the time. God, I wish he would cheat on me or I wish he would hit me. And by the way, like no you don't. And also the people who are being hit and are being cheated on, which I was being cheated on the whole time. I didn't even realize it. Um, I was so blind. I was so foggy that I couldn't, didn't put the pieces together. Um, but those people also have trouble leaving even more so, right? Because there's more at stake. There's more at risk. Um, so it's, it doesn't make it clear. And also, listen, I think, I think Leah, what you said is really important that nothing is black and white. I wouldn't say that my ex-husband is a horrible person. He's a cheater and he's a narcissist and he abused me and all the things. He's also like the most fun to be around. We, you know, we're pretty good friends. We, or people, people are like, mm, you're a good friend to him. <laughs> <laughs> but also he is a good, you know, it's like I, my car was in the shop and I didn't have a car for a couple of days and he just like, drove a car over from his house. He had a third car. He had an extra car, whatever. He drove it over. He dropped it off. And I was like, oh my God, what are you doing? And he's like, well, you need a car. And I was like, well, yeah, but I can't drive you home. I'm in the middle of work. He's like, no, it's okay. I'm going to walk. And it was like three miles, just like in the middle of the day. He just like drove a car over, right? If yeah. I have anything in my house that needs like doing that I can't do for myself, he is here in a second. Like he is. How long have you been divorced for? Good question. 14 years. Wow. It takes time. Oh. A lot of people make the mistake of trying to be friends too soon. Mm -hmm. um, and that is not, uh, it's not advisable. I did that. We tried like, we were best friends right away. And that just crashed and burned really badly. Mm -hmm. um, so I recommend space, more space than you think you need first. And then slowly over time, if you have kids, like this is going to, you know, you're, you're going to be spending more time together <laughs> than, yeah. than you normally would. And so you have to be connected to this person for the rest of your life. So how do you want it to be? Um, and how is it safe to be, right? Because boundaries are important in these things. Um, but the other thing I want to say is that, you know, when I work with women trying to make the decision um, of whether to stay or go, the very first thing we do is take the other person off the table and we do the self-work. Right. We dive into your own attachment styles, your own trauma, your family history, all of those things, because we may feel certain ways in relationship that have nothing to do with the other person. And so first we want to excavate that stuff so that we're not so that we're making a responsible choice. Right. That we're not we're not um, ignoring some really important things about how you actually got to where you are. It's almost like being like being objective first before you're yes. subjective. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. hundred percent. 
Yep. And that's as like behavior analysts, like we always look at like when we go in with families or, you know, to schools, it's, we never ask like, you know, well, why, right? We will ask, what does it look like? Uh And what happens before and after? Very, very objective because someone could be like, well, he just knows it pisses me off. Well, okay. Like that's, you know, that's subjective. You're putting in your own kind of feelings there. What is exactly happening so that we can make, you know, data-driven decisions and not emotional-driven decisions? Yes. 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 And that's hard. Being it honest, is hard. And, that's the hardest part, right? Being yeah. like, oh, this is the it's shit easy I bring to just to the kind table. of be like, well, he's an asshole and he's moody and he's this. It's like, and just being like, oh, like let me look at my own mm-hmm. trauma in history and yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's so important. It's so much harder to do, but it's, but listen, you don't want to get out of the. You know, here's the here's the truth. Here's the ugly truth. about 50% of first marriages end in divorce. 68% of second marriages also end in divorce. And 74% of third marriages end in divorce. And it's because we're not doing this kind of work, right? We're constantly being like, well, he's an asshole. So blah, 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 right? Let me just, let me get a new one. And you get a new one and you're the same person making the same choices. And he's got different clothes, different, you know, meat suit but he's the same guy, right? And so you're making the same decisions over and over again because you have not done the work to excavate what, you know, what drove you to make the, this choice in the first place and what you brought, what you bring to it. Like, what's your shit? <laughs> what do you have to, right? And we all have it, right? My shit doesn't stink though, Kate. Sorry. Yeah, I know. I'm <laughs> I'm here to tell you it does. <laughs> I'll be the first one to tell me. He's <laughs> like, you know, I can see right through you. I'm like, what do you mean? He's my rock. He's my person. We're perfect. <laughs> Literally, Casey is like, she's come a long way in the past like three weeks. <laughs> Legit. <laughs> Like, all right, then <laughs> called <Literally>. out. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's if like what you got to find, like a person in your life that's like a liat to your Casey. Cause, yeah, I'm really good at acting like my shit doesn't stink. And she's like, um, okay, this is ridiculous. First of all, no one's as perfect. Stop posting pictures about how he's your person and your rock and this and that. She's like, you're covering up something. And I'm oh. like, oh my God. I'm like, no, I'm not. Sure. No offense. It doesn't take like a genius. It's like the, the overpower of like, it's like, like, right. anyone, behavior analyst oh listening, God. Casey's like a walking FA. It's like, oh, someone posted there, engage. The next thing Casey's like, my rock. You know? So, <laughs> but she admits All right, it. So, so now she does. I have another question. So, okay. how did you get into what you're doing now? Like, what? Oh, you know, drove you, you know what? That was your first question, and I never answered it. That's okay. No, I I like Hi, where we went. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So all that stuff about my marriage, right? and then I got out. Um, and I mean, it, it it's sort of multi layered. Uh, quite honestly, it's just one of those things where, like, I I had been a stay at home mom. I had been an actor for a really long time. I really didn't want to keep doing that. I was done. I, I just wanted to, I needed to sort of reinvent myself. I needed to work again. I needed something solid. (laughs) So I went into coaching. Hold on. I need to side, I need to side note this. You were on Sesame street and Grey's Anatomy. Yes. 
I was. Th- those are my bookends. Like I, my career started on Sesame Street and it, and with five years on Sesame Street and ended with five years on Grey's Anatomy. There was a lot it's of so other stuff cool. in between. <laughs> That's like a whole other podcast, but That's a whole other really podcast. Cool. It's a it fun is. fact. It is. It is a fun fact that um and so throughout my divorce I was still working on Grey's and that was fine. But it, it's not consistent, despite what everyone thinks. It's like not consistent income. It was just and you know, anyway. So I needed to figure out what I was gonna do next. And a lot of people were like, you should be a therapist. And I was like, I'm going to shoot myself in the head if I have to go back to school <laughs> in that way, like, you know, with textbooks and everything. And mm-hmm. so someone suggested coaching. And I was like, oh, that's interesting because it's experiential learning. And I am an experiential learner. I cannot sit in a classroom. I'm an, I have ADHD. I can't read a textbook. I can't learn that way. But with coaching, there was, you know, we had textbooks. Yes. But it was like you get in there and you get in the sandbox and you learn how to You learn how to coach by being coached and all of that, right? It was just Mm -hmm. a different learning experience. And that's the way I needed to learn. And so, and so I did that. I went for the first weekend and I was like, oh, I, this is cool. And so then I went for like a year and a half of training and that, and then I did another year in relationship work because I knew I wanted to work in divorce, but I just didn't really know where. And it was really an evolution. It was like a many year evolution of like, where do I want? where am I most of service? Where am I most um, intelligent? Where do I have the most to say? And then it just, it, it just landed in this, in this arena. But, um, you know, but I did go back to school for a lot of training um, as a coach. And then, you know, the more people I worked with, the more it became obvious what was needed and what I could speak to. It's amazing. I always tell Liat that she should, you know, be a therapist. And she's like, I cannot imagine going back to school. She's just like you, ADHD. Mm-hmm. I don't know how she runs that's a, a test prep company. Because that's literally like all we do is study all people. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's, that's what we do do. We like unstudy the studying, you know? So, mm-hmm. right. But, okay. So I'm sorry. I, I, I'm going to bring, bring this back to, okay. So when someone comes in, should I stay or should I go? You said first you're going to like yeah. assess them, right? You're going to do that like okay, like what role are you playing here? Like what, just like you said, um, you know, what baggage are you carrying that could potentially be like, you could be bringing it to any relationship. Yeah. Right? And really, who are you? Who are you? Like most people don't really know, right? What are your values? We do a whole exploration of values, right? What are your values? And so much of that pops everything open. They're like, wait a minute, I value personal development and growth. And I'm married to someone who is like, will never go to therapy ever and has never picked up a personal development book and has zero interest in any form of development. Well, that's, that's just a mismatch, right? Like take the judgment off of it. That just, that just doesn't match. Mm -hmm. Right. So we do that. It's like, who are you and what do you bring to the table? And then the next thing we do, is that what you're getting to Liat? Like what's next? Yep. No, exactly. Yeah, so what's yeah? So the next thing I do is um, is the the sort of um, somewhat of the other person, right? But really the groundwork of like the 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 social social and cultural aspects, like right. If you're married to someone and you feel like you do all the work and you're exhausted by the emotional labor and carrying the mental load and the second shift and all of that stuff. Like, if you marry someone else, is that going to be any different? <laughs> because some of that is just what it is to be in a cis-hetero relationship these days. 
Um, right. And hopefully we're shifting that, but really that's, you know, so, you know, are you just trading out, are you going to trade something out for the same? Um, or are you really, really unsatisfied in your marriage? And is this like, and then we do the exploration of abuse and all of the deeper layers. Um, and then in like the third part, like the third section we do, okay, how do you communicate? What does a healthy relationship even look like? How do you, how do you, how do you, how do you, um, yeah. Like what is, what does healthy communication look like? What is the, like the foundational principles of communication, right? All of that kind of stuff. So it's the interpersonal. So first it's the personal, then it's the cultural societal, then it's the interpersonal. So when you, what you were just saying kind of reminded me a little bit off topic, but have you heard of like the invisible load? Yeah. Yeah. Like that's like what women carry around all day long. All day long. That's yep. right. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. Like I sometimes think like, wow, being a, like, and no offense to men, but like, wow, like being a man must just be so nice sometimes when you don't have to think about Dude. anything. Right. Like, zero. Like right. my husband doesn't even want access to the bank account because he doesn't ever want to check it. I'm like, uh-uh. Ugh. No, no. I know. No, no. <laughs> that way, honey. Keep it that way. <laughs> that one. Carry that load. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, just your I think your sister, Talia Liat, was talking about the invisible oh, yeah. load. Yeah, like yeah. as a woman, you like literally have to have like a doctorate in supply chain and like running your house. Like, do we have this ingredient? <laughs> right. Do we have this? Do we have diapers? Do we have this? Oh my god, looks like the milk's gonna run out tomorrow and grandma's gonna be babysitting. So and by the way, there's no difference in our brains, in our brain's abilities to carry those things. It's simply like we've just developed that part of our brain more by by sheer necessity that mm-hmm. the patriarchy made us, and they just haven't, right? So gray mm-hmm. matter grows, right, where you put energy, <laughs> and theirs is just sort of like deteriorating, but it doesn't, they, they have just as much capacity for these things that, as we do. So, um, yes, yes. And you know, it's that whole thing of like, oh, well, you should have asked if you just tell me, just make me a list, just tell me, then it's like, wait a minute. So I'm the manager, Mm -hmm. right? So I have to know all of the things and then I delegate. That's not, that's not fair either. No. You're still putting the managerial responsibilities onto me. And by the way, I'm getting paid less in my actual job. Right. And they're going to fuck it up anyways. So what does it matter? Oh, it's a, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you it's go a whole through thing. the, I mean, I totally, every single thing you're saying, I mean, I, at this point, so you've sat with someone either mm-hmm. from like number one, they're like, okay, you're trying to put a peg in a round hole. Yeah. Like you guys aren't a match. Right. Right. So right. it could be there or it could come all the way to the end of like, what you're in is not healthy, like, and this is not changing. So you need to get out. So right. let's say you get to that point, okay? Yeah. So you got mm-hmm. to the point, the person's like, I need to get out. Now this person, yeah. I'm sure, assuming they're looking at like their finances, like, can I get yes. out? You know? Yes. Uh, financial yeah. obviously is a huge barrier for people being able to leave. Huge. Huge. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially right for, now. Yeah. I mean, with the, totally. So like the economy and yeah, interest rates, rent. It just seems easier to stay. Yeah. And for many, it is. I mean, there are really good reasons for people to stay um, in relationships, you know, disability, um, health insurance, um, mm-hmm. you know, ch- kids with 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 disabilities. Right. Like, I know a lot of people, um, at least one of my clients who has a really, you know, ve- very disabled 
adult child, adult mm-hmm. son. And, you know, it takes two people. Like, how are you going to, how, how on earth are you going to do this alone? And, and, you know, co-parenting and not being in the same house. And, and by the way, you can't have a second home for a kid with that level of disability. Right. So, you know, there's, there are a lot of other considerations, uh, as you go through this. Um, and so, and so, yes, yes. So there are good reasons to stay as long as it is safe to do so. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's, now. that's what's most important. Um, and then, yeah, the financial, so there's, fi- there's finances that are a barrier. There's, you know, not having a support system, not having friends and family nearby, like, oh my God, like I, I go to work at five 30 every morning. How am I going to do that? How am I going to have custody? Right. If I have to be at work at five 30 in the morning, who's going to take my kid? If you don't have friends and if you don't have family nearby, mm-hmm. you know, it's yeah, mm-hmm. there's lots of things to consider. Okay. Well, they're so, lucky to have you. That's what I would say. No, thank you. I can you. tell that you'd be like someone that would be really <laughs> helpful to get through something like this. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, let's say, yeah. okay. So mm-hmm. like obviously, and can I, my life mentality, so my dad told me this, is like linky. That's me. That's what they call me. There is always a way out of even the most permanent things. Mm-hmm. You're yeah. never stuck in anything. Yeah. So yeah, I, I – I hope people listening know that, like, if someone is thinking of getting divorced, it's not like I'm getting a divorce tomorrow, right? That's just like one stupid fight you have that, like, I'm leaving. It's, it's an internal battle that someone is going through, either like both people or an individual, and it eats you alive, right? Like, if you are going through every scenario possible, you mm-hmm. are petrified. How are you going to do this? Um, will I ever find someone again? That's like, I mean, that's just like another thing, but that is definitely no fucking reason to stay. Um, You know, like doing it alone, like, oh my God, all these other people, like my family loves us, whatever it is. So like for anyone who's feeling really stuck, there's, there's, there's a solution for everything, even the most permanent things. Like a marriage is supposed to be permanent, but I'm just letting you know that if you feel really stuck, you're not. You may need a little more planning, like if you're someone who's like, okay. It, it can take a lot. Listen, a divorce takes more time than I think anyone ever yeah. anticipates, right? Because you do have all of these decisions to make. You've got to figure out like, okay, who's who's keeping the house? Like who's moving out? Who's, you know, are we selling the house? Okay, well, if I'm staying and you're going, I'm going to have to pay you out if there's equity in the home. How am I going to afford to do that? How, right? How are we going to figure out you know, custody and child, you know, scheduling and, you know, parenting time. And there's just a lot of stuff. If you have kids in, in, in particular, it takes a really long time to get to a place where you're ready to make the move because you want to make as few moves as possible. So that you disrupt the children as little as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, it takes a long time. It also takes a long time to get to that place. It, I was struggling with the decision for two years I don't know about you, Liat. I'm sure you were struggling with it for a long time too, right? Like it takes a while. Like it takes, you know, the problem is, right, if you're the one who's thinking about it, you going through it, you're agonizing for years. You finally make the decision. You're like, okay, great. I finally decided like, let's do this. And it's like, uh uh-uh, that's not how it works. Slow down. You've got it. The other thing is that you're making the biggest legal and financial decisions of your entire life in the middle of the biggest emotional upheaval of your entire life. And it's a terrible combination. So you need to let the emotional dust settle 
before you move into the financial and legal decisions, which by the way, isn't just about your emotional dust. If you're the one who's made the decision and you've been agonizing over it for two years and you finally made the decision, you're like, oh, thank God. And you tell your partner, no matter how many times you've been telling them you're unhappy, no matter how long you've been like trying to get them to understand or see, it's going to be news to them. It's going to be a bomb and they're not going to see it coming and they're going to be totally blindsided and you're going to be like, <laughs> like were we really in the dude? same fucking therapy sessions? <laughs> were, like, were we in different therapy right. sessions? Mm-hmm. Yes, you were. You absolutely were. And so you need to allow the dust to settle for them as well, right? You need to give them time to process it. Otherwise, if you barrel through, you are setting yourself up for like serious destruction and, mm-hmm. you know, and putting and put and the danger of putting your kids in the middle um, yeah. of some some hefty stuff. So the solution is to just have cats and everyone will be fine. <laughs> <laughs> right. More kids, more money, more problems. Okay. In a divorce. Yeah. Uh, straight. That is so true. So with so there's obviously a lot that goes into it. I just like and and like you said, you know, if you have like this individual you're speaking about with like a, you know, a very disabled like uh, individual who like maybe like the house is all set up for wheelchairs. I don't know. Yeah. Whatever right. it is, like these things are make it harder. Yeah. Um. So I, I think even just someone hearing that idea of like, you never have to be like fully stuck. You could at least be working on a plan. So like if you're someone who's been a stay at home right. mom and you haven't been making, you know, any income, like once you've like in your head, like, you know, like, you know, you're getting some clarity, you could start like working out, well, how are you going to, you know, start How am I going to start money. making money? Right. Yeah. What are my skills? What are my marketable skills? How do I create a resume? How do I, right? Am I going to open up an Etsy shop or am I going to go work at, you know, Trader Joe's where they've got really good Everyone's happy. Right. Everyone's happy Literally and they have good health care. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're happy because they're actually treated well. Yeah. Um, Right. And so, yeah, what are my options? And so take that time, like start and listen, you know, you can start making those plans before you ever tell your partner. Mm-hmm. Um, and in some cases it is wisest to do so. That's that's really big advice right there. Yeah. Is starting the plan and getting a ball rolling that benefits you That's right. first. And because I think what we're so programmed to do is worry about everyone else except for ourselves. That's right. And it's like, well, how's this going to make this person feel? Or how's this going to affect my family or this person? It's like, first start with yourself. And like you just said, like, what are your skills? What do you bring to the table? How can you heal yourself and grow and get stronger and then make some of those big decisions? Right. Exactly. Absolutely. And that's that's no easy feat either because a lot of relationships also – have a lot of codependency and you might've even lost your identity. So for you coming back to be like, well, who am I? Like, like even parts of it. I mean, I would like, no, see, that's why we start with that work. Who am I? That's why we start there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, when I look at my own divorce, I like see a lot of things where I'm like, wow, I had a lot of, I mean, obviously having a child complicates things more, but I got like the perfect kid and that if there's anything, I mean, I'm thankful for what I got for my marriage that I did as well as mm-hmm. like Kobe because he's amazing. Um, but, you know, when you're like trying to look at the positive of things, it's like, okay, well, for me, 
because I had study notes, like this business that essentially is like every single part of me that I love and I'm having to like show up for it for other people as well on a daily basis, like that helped me keep my identity. And for that, I was like yes. so thankful and that I was able to come into contact with like getting this reinforcement and love from people, people telling me like how I've changed their life or how what I did like, you know, ma- like uh, or like how they relate to what I'm talking about or whatever it is that I didn't ever fall into this like trap of like isolation, which I think a lot of people like when they've totally lost their identity and it's no one's fault. It's just like it's it's just what happened. So like, you know, if you are Mm -hmm. someone even like thinking about it, make sure that you are like before like finding who you are, because I do think it could be a rude awakening for a lot of people. You know, I was so petrified to get divorced, just like and, and, and also just my experiences with breakups in my past. I was expecting like a heartbreak. Like, I'm like, if I felt like that then, and I ended up in the hospital that time, and you know, I literally had to like come home and go to like outpatient therapy every day. I'm like, what is a divorce going to be? Right. So, yeah. like, I, I do think that like that fear is like a real feeling, but I could tell you, like, on the other side, I was like shocked what a weight I felt lifted. Yeah. But, me too. but I do me think that too. I, Right. And, Mm -hmm. but I do think that, like, when I look at like my stars aligning, there were certain things that, like, did help. The fact that, like, I have to, like, show up for my identity every day in my job, um, as well as, like, huge. I I know, like, you know, being financially independent, which in one sense made me be like, I work so hard to do all this. I don't want to have to, like, split everything and lose everything I worked for. So, why would I want to get divorced? But my dad also said, like, whatever, anything financial is fleeing, right? Like, it right. comes and goes, whatever it is. But, like, your happiness is priceless. Yep. And absolutely. so I guess it, it's newer to me, the whole divorce thing. So I'm still, like, in that passion stage of, like, like feeling that, like, pain. If someone is in that, like, place of stuck. Yeah. 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 That, like – there is, like, the other side is not as bad as you think it's going to be. No. The, you know, the, the, the question is always, like, is the grass greener on the other side? Like, is it really, like, will I ever meet anyone else? Will I, you know, how will I survive? How will I, how will I, how will I spend a day away from my kids? How will I, right? And I think the identity piece is, is the biggest piece of that, right? Like, if you have an identity outside of your children, being a mother, like you'll be fine. If your entire identity is I am wife and mother, um, you may have, you've got a bigger, a bigger learning curve. That doesn't mean they're not going to be okay. You will be okay, but you do need to find that identity within yourself. That is, you know, because especially if you, there's a history of codependence, but also just the very sort of institution, I suppose, not the best word, but of, of, of stay at home parenting, right. Define, like creates that definition. Like you are, that is, becomes your identity. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that, right? Like if that is a choice that someone has made, like absolutely, you know, I did too, but what it did for me and what it does for most women is it makes us financially dependent it we've we've lost all of our financial agency and we it's also just, have lost a huge part of our identity 
And it's, it's a lot harder to come out from that hole. It becomes a hole when you want to leave. Um, and when your kids get older, right? Like my mother-in-law talks about, she was a stay-at-home mom and she had two boys. And when my ex, who was the, the youngest, w- went to high school, she just plummeted into a very dark place for a very long time until she decided to go back to work. Because the identity is now gone. Gone. Your like responsibility. Your kids don't need you yeah. anymore. That and it's like, fuck. Like, you're like, I'm stuck with you? <laughs> Just- That's the other piece. That is the other piece. Yeah, right? That's I say to my clients all the time, I'm like, okay, once your kids are gone, is this the person you want to walk off into the sunset with? Is this the person you want to spend your retirement with? Do you, is this the person you want to, like, end up on a cruise ship with? Like... And they're like, ah, <laughs> like, I feel okay, like I then. said that to Liat too. Yeah. Yeah. Like, is this your person? Yeah. At the end of the day, right? My best friend, you know, she's gone through all sorts of ups and downs in her marriage over the years. And, but she's always said at the end of the day, he's my person and I hate him for this. And he drives me crazy with this. And he, you know, we never have sex and like all of the things, but at the <laughs> end of the day, he's my person. Yeah. He's my best friend. Well, what Liat told me that kind of, because I, I always say that too with my husband, like he's my person, I tell her, and he mm-hmm. is. But mm-hmm. what she's taught me is that you can have multiple persons in your you life. So like Matt, you yeah, and I was so stuck with just he's my only person. And it's not about other men. It's about no. what does Liat bring me that Matt doesn't bring me? What does my other best friend bring me that Matt might not bring me? And that's okay. It doesn't have to be just one person. That's right. It shouldn't be. Um, I was did, did yeah. an episode, a uh, podcast episode yesterday with a great guy, um, Chris uh, Ratcliffe. And he said, um, Ratcliffe, um, he said, it, he calls it emotional diversification. Like your mm. stock portfolio is going to be diversified. Your, My board of directors is how I like to look at yeah, it. Yeah, you need to have, <laughs> you've got to have some emotional diversification where you're getting different things from different people so that if one person drops off, you're okay. Mm. <laughs> yes, totally. But I was like mind blown when Liat told me, she's like, you can have multiple different people. I'm like, yeah. Okay. And now that I've accepted that and it's like, I can now put more in other people's buckets as well. So it's not just all on Matt and it shouldn't be all on my husband, right? just like it shouldn't be for me to be all on me for him. And so that's the difference between codependence and interdependence, Mm -hmm. right? You, of course, you are dependent upon each other for certain things, but not everything. No, not right. Sex. Yes. (laughs) There you go. Good. (laughs) Yeah. I think that this is such an amazing conversation for so many people you are truly a very, very special person. I love yeah. your energy and being here with you. So thank, thank you, you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. You guys are awesome. I so appreciate it. I love talking to you guys. You guys Sorry. While, while, I have, while I have the, the mic still, there's one thing I wanted to add. I was like thinking, sitting on the side here and I'm thinking like, what's one thing that I would want to tell someone who's nervous when I'm going to say? No, I'm kidding. Um, And one thing I want to tell people is, and you can tell me what you think of this, Kate, being have gone through it. I know relationships take work, they say, but they shouldn't take that much fucking work. Let me tell you. That's absolutely true. Like, you know, I remember my boyfriend, Benji, in college, like we were just fucking toxic together. Okay. Like we loved each other so much that like it hurt. It was like we were either high or low or 
you know, or like, why is he, whatever. And it was like, and he'd be like, we fight like this because we love each other. You know, like there's just so mm-hmm. much love. And then I had relationships yeah. after that where I was like, this is just fucking easy. And I hate to say it, but to anyone who's like, that's like popping their balloon too or their bubble, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But if you're thinking like, no, it's and you're quoting to yourself often, like, no, relationships are hard. They take a lot of work. They take a lot of work. This is a relationship. Like, There's no, shit. they fucking don't. If you're in right. a healthy relationship. It's like. 80-20, right? Like, like, like there's times that things hard. are hard. Yeah, like, yes. there's times things are hard. Like, um, so that's what I would tell you, as mm-hmm. well as the other thing I would tell you. <laughs> now, now I'm going on. My last thing is, if you're someone, and, and people have asked me, like, after, like, I had, you know, after Kobe was a year, I got divorced. And they're mm-hmm. like, well, do you regret doing that? No, I don't at all because – Kobe is amazing. But I do want to, if there's anyone listening, just because I know we do have a lot of people, you know, of like childbearing age and in general listening, potentially, if you think a kid's going to save your marriage. Mm, no. L-O-L. Okay. <laughs> L-O-L. Like, let me tell you, like, if, if you're have like, mercy. like, if don't, shit's already don't do like it. under, like, unless you see yourself, like, being cool, being stranded on an island with this person for the rest of your life and like <laughs> feeling so secure that you want to put everything you have into this person. If you do not see that, do not add kids into the equation. Okay. Even if life's like, if your fertility clock is, is you feel like it's ticking or freeze your, your eggs. freeze your eggs, babe. Yep. It, or because everyone else is posting on Instagram. Let me just tell you, it's not going to save your relationship. I'm going to save you the time instead of having to go through it and figure it out. That That's not going to save your relationship. So if no. that's what you're thinking, uh, sorry, I have a lot of opinions here. No, you're um, right. But. And the other, the other thing. Throw I'm, that out yeah, there. The other th- yep, you're right. And the other thing I'll add on top of that is if you're thinking of staying because you have kids, um, I want you to think about what relationship you want for your children. If you don't want your current relationship for your children, then your best bet is to is to is to get out. Get the fuck even out. Even if you don't get remarried, and if, even if you don't, right? Because this is their model. This is their model, and if it's the only thing they know, it's the thing that they'll create for themselves. So, so many light bulbs here in this in this episode. Totally. Ding, ding. I mean, th- th- that that's that's a that's a great thing you said. I saw that like, well, if you could step back and see your child in the type of relationship you're in, if like, would you be cool with that for your kid? If not, get the fuck out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Woo! Okay. Well, I I hope anyone listening Kate, well, I I know with what you're the work you're doing in general, Mm-hmm. Um, offers so much help to anyone who's in that in between or before or after any part. Um, and yeah. if anyone is, you know, I hope this podcast reach people as, as well as I know you guys should go listen to Kate's podcast as well as Kate. Can you let people know what you offer, what they could yes. find if they go to your website? Yes, I would love and to. And what your website is? Yes. So um, you can find me at kateanthony.com and everything is there. And um, on TikTok and Instagram, I'm at the Divorce Survival Guide. 
And on my website, I have I have a bunch of offerings. I've got a couple of online programs, one for should I stay or should I go, one for you know the getting divorced process. Um, and I also have a group program, which is really wonderful. It's called Grit and Grace. And it is, it's just, it's just an amazing group of women who are all going through the same thing. Um, in that program, you get access to all of my online programs. So you can, you know, do all of that work on the back end mm-hmm. while you're in the, uh, in the group. Um, and I also work with women one-on-one and I also have a retreat coming up which is very exciting. You can find that at katieanthony.com slash retreat. And that'll Where be is it? in April 27th through 30th in Sedona. Beautiful. Yeah. I love Sedona. Yeah. Wow. And I will put all this in the show notes. So yes, thank you. you guys know where to find it. Thank Perfect. you, Kate, so much. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step down from the the mic now. And with that, I'm going to let you guys know where to find us. You could find us on Instagram at Behavior Bitches Podcast, Facebook, Behavior Bitches Podcast. You could reach out to us on our website if you have any inquiries or you want to come on our podcast or you know a badass we should have on our podcast. Our website is behaviorbitches.com. And go ahead and leave us a five-star review in the Apple Podcast app because unfortunately, Spotify is not yet supporting reviews. And, you know, we like to get good reviews. So go ahead and leave a five-star review there and steal your friend's phone if you have an Android. That's all we have for today. As always, love ya. Mean it. Hey, guys, it's Liat. And Casey. We just want to take a second to let you know that if you're thinking of being a millennial like us and starting your own podcast, there is a way. You can do your show without having to become an audio editing and production wizard. Because guess what? We don't know shit with that. But we have Alan at Pretty Easy Podcast who helped us get started. He records our shows. He posts them. He adds awesome, awesome music and cool shit when we don't even know what he's doing. He sends us teaser episodes. He does it all. We just sit here and friggin' talk. We shoot the shit and you can record from home, your office, the park, a bathroom stall at work. It doesn't matter. He provides the complete podcast studio. All you need is a microphone and you're good. Alan caters to your schedule and gives you a producer for your show at your beck and call. He has been super flexible with our schedule. Whenever we need him, we go to Google Calendar. We just book him and he does all the hard work. It's like so incredibly easy. That's why it's probably called Pretty Easy Podcast. So be heard and have some fun podcasting like us. Go to prettyeasypodcast.com today. Mm -hmm.